Today I am talking with Esther Nunu, and she is from Ghana but lives in the Bronx, and she is a rising senior majoring in anthropology. And I am going to be asking you three questions. And the three questions are, what's most important to you? What does a liberal arts education mean to you? And what do you wish your professors knew about you? And so I'll make sure we hit those, um, but you can take them in any direction you'd like. So let's start with the first. What's most important to you? Right now, it's following my intuition and trusting my gut. Um, so I've realized that I don't cut myself enough slack and I know what I need, but um, I get really afraid to follow my intuition or to even admit to people that I'm following my intuition because I feel like it doesn't like hold enough weight. Um, but I've proven my, I've proven to myself time and time again that like my gut feeling is always right. Can you give um, an example of when when your gut feeling has been right? Okay, um, I can give you a big example and then a, a little example. Okay. Um, so, a big example is Bowdoin. Um, like working in admissions, like I, I'm a tour guide and a senior interviewer, and people will always ask me, like, what was it about Bowdoin? So I didn't visit Bowdoin, uh, heard about Bowdoin, met a few alums, and then with, I think within like a month, I decided to apply ED, did not tell my parents, and it was a gut feeling. And I was like, you know what, I know I belong in this place, and there's something about this place that, that's calling to me. So that's a big example. Did you know what the thing was? Like, did, you know, so, I, so I'm respecting your gut, but did your gut tell you anything more, did your gut give you any more information than this is the place for you? Was there a because? Yeah, I mean, there were, there were definitely a lot of becauses, but I knew that there was something here for me, like for me to find. So I prayed about it, definitely. I was like, God, I want to be challenged academically, socially, spiritually, like the works, like hand it to me. Um, but when it came down to it, it was just being drawn to the school. Because honestly, there are a lot of schools similar to Bowdoin. Um, so yeah, so that's a, a big example. And then a little example of uh, trusting my gut. Um, so, uh, wait, what's a simple example? Oh, so recently, um, this is actually yesterday, um, I was talking to a friend and um, we were having like a back and forth banter about something that had happened and um, I, I thought of doing something for her and it was really random. Whenever I think of doing something for someone, I usually go ahead and do it. Um, but yesterday for some reason I was like, no, this is too random and it's, it's too much and I don't, I don't want to be too much and so I didn't do it. And so later, um, she, like, we see each other and she's like, yo, like I was, you know, I was kind of waiting for that. And it turns out she, she needed that at the moment. And I was so mad at myself because I began doing it. Oh. I began doing it and I stopped myself because I, I thought it was, I was doing too much. Um, so yeah, just like that gut. Yeah. Do you think that you have been, so you said you prayed about, uh, that you said, God, I want to be challenged spiritually, academically, socially. Mm -hmm. Has that happened? Yes, but not in the way that I thought it would. So Ooh, when I say first more. got here, uh, I hated it. I wanted to transfer. And um, how, I always joke that... How long that, did that feeling last? <laughs> oh, um, I think it was a good part of my first year. Mm -hmm. um, and what then I you, ended what up... What did you hate about it? Why did I hate about it? So I thought that but when I, I had this like... <clears throat> 
romanticized notion of what Bodo is going to be like, you know. So I thought that we were going to be having crazy discussions in and out of the classroom and we were going to be protesting and, you know, just, I mean, I come, the, the school I came from in Harlem, like we, there was like a walkout at one point because our Metro cards got cut. Um, like, it, it was, I mean, students were like, there was this one teacher we protested, like, we would sit in her class and not do anything because we felt like she wasn't teaching. Um, so this was regular for me. Right. So I thought Bowdoin was going to step it up and just be, mm -hmm. you know, big poster signs and all that. And I come here and, you know, we were in a class one time and we were talking about prejudices and I, I, I was like, yeah, you know, I thought white people couldn't dance, blah, blah, blah. And everyone's quiet and no one's saying anything, no one's challenging me. And I was like, what's up? Like, why don't you talk about your prejudices? Um, and so it was things like that, but then also being a first-generation college student and going through it um, and, and feeling alone. Like, yeah, there was the base program, but I couldn't, I couldn't explain to people, you know, why I was, you know, working through certain types of paperwork on my own mm. or um, why I couldn't talk to my parents about the classes I was choosing. Like, it, and so going through that and, like, realizing the American dream was a lie and it was, it was just a lie. Mm. Um, and I said, as I said before, realizing that Bowdoin wasn't the, the place that I, I, I thought that it would be. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that. So that was how you, that's when at first you wanted to transfer. You right. hated it. Right. And this conversation started because I said, have you been challenged spiritually, right. academically, and socially? So, and it and wasn't so the said, way it looked like. So right. That's, so now. I realized I got yes. exactly what I asked for. Exactly what I asked for. Um, uh, it just looked, it looked different than I thought that it would. Um, and so the academic, you know, challenge, I mean, we all know how that goes. Right. Um, but the social challenge was... Um, like realizing that people have very, people are raised differently. And so I remember one time I had um, an issue with someone and I, I went up to them and I talked to them. I was like, yo, I didn't like that you did this. And later I heard that this person felt intimidated and, you know, they felt like I was very confrontational. I was like, well, how else am I supposed to go about this? If I respect you, I'm going to come to you. And I realized, no, no, no. Some people were raised, you know, you know, a little different, a little differently. <laughs> so, what do you mind me my asking what the issue was? Can we yes, talk I about do. it? Yes, I do. I mind because it's it's still, okay. We you're gonna talk be able about to. Okay, yeah, they'll know. Okay, we can't reveal that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we want to keep right. We want to keep the confidentiality of right. all the people involved. Right. Okay, right. but that's good to know, right? That, so, so you doing the thing that you thought is like this is the respectful. Um, an appropriate response right. to this situation was taken as a threat. Right, right. And, I mean, I wasn't or, coming... Or was felt as threatening. Right, right, better. right. And I, I came to them the regular way I am. Like, you did X, Y, Z. I don't like X, Y, Z. Therefore, I'm thinking of cutting you off. Um, and they weren't happy with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think getting used to Bowdoin and, and kind of getting a feel of how some uh, how other people were raised, I'm like, oh, I see how you could have been upset by that. But still, get over yourself. Right. Um, and so really, that was like one of the social challenges. Spiritually, man, uh, for me, I was, I was raised in a, in a uh, Christian home, Ghanaian conservative Christians, um, and... And what does that... Can you give me a picture of what does that mean? Ooh, okay, so on the, on the, on the, like, basic level, it means, you know, Wednesday night Bible studies, Friday night prayer meetings, uh, Saturday, you have the youth meeting, and then you have choir practice, Sunday church, um, and my parents were, you know, well, my family is very involved in the church, 
Um, and then on a spiritual level, that means if you have a dream and it's a funky dream, you wake up and you pray about it. Like, that's it. Um, and it's just like that intuition, that gut. If you have a bad feeling, if you're thinking about someone, you hit them up. Like, it's, it's very... We're very deeply spiritual, and I didn't know mm. that religion and spirituality didn't go together. And so I come to Bowdoin, and, you know, people... Ha uh, I met certain people... Do you mean that they don't go together, meaning they don't have to be connected? They don't have to be connected, yes. That they can, yes, exist, yes. They, that they can exist independently of one another? Yes, okay. and that's yeah. not something I realized. Um, <clears throat> so I come to Bowdoin, and I'm trying to talk religion with people. So I'm still in the mindset that we can talk about everything. I'm trying to talk religion with people. I'm talking about demons. I told people, I was like, yeah, like I've seen exorcisms. Like, you never seen exorcism? Because I, I grew up watching that. And, you know, people are freaked out, and people are scared, and, you know... It, it was, it was, yeah. So ch being challenged spiritually in that way and people asking questions about my religion. And I was like, wait, you grew up with no religion at all. Like your parents never thought about it. Like your parents never talked about it. It was wild for me. Um, so that was the spiritual challenge. Um, and of course, like at one point I was like, oh, I can't be intellectual and be spiritual because the intellectual, you know, it, it just doesn't, you know, the two shall never meet. Um, and I think that's another reason why I'm struggling to, um, talk about my intuition and trust my intuition because mm -hmm. I don't know how to defend it if it ever comes up. Um, and usually I don't have to. Usually when I call someone up and, you know, they're like, man, I was feeling down um, and I'm, I'm glad you called, I usually don't have to defend it. Mm -hmm. um, but then other times, whew. Can you give an example of another time where you would be nervous about um, sharing that something that your choice or your idea or your belief is based on intuition. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like there, a situation where you'd be like, oh, I can't share that this is my gut telling me this. Right. Here. I think it's mostly with people I don't know. Um, like I'm, I'm nervous that they'll like, they'll think, they'll, they'll think something, um, I don't know, that they'll think wrongly of me. Um, but an example of where I couldn't share that my gut. Huh. I can't, I can't think of one right now. I mean, I'm even thinking right now that even though I respect what you're saying so mm -hmm. much, and I totally believe that, that mm -hmm. if you have that feeling about someone and suddenly someone's popped into your mind and then it's a good time to reach out to them, you right. know, and some, right? Like I, in my personal life, I believe that mm -hmm. and I live that. I could see if we were, if you were in my class mm -hmm. and you said, you made a claim like, mm -hmm. this is, X is true, mm. right? And I said to you, how do you know that? Right. And you said, well, it's my intuition. Right. Okay, so yeah, with stuff like right. that. I, I, I wonder um, what I would say to you in right. that situation. Right. I, I wonder if I'd say <laughs> I'd like a few more data points on that, right, <laughs> right than right. that. But I wonder, like, but I'm also curious if, if your intuition functions in that way. Is it a form of knowledge or is it a, right, so it served as a form of knowledge when you said, I knew that going to Bowdoin was the right thing. Mm -hmm. 
I wonder if you have, do you have intuitions about other people? Oh, <laughs> like good vibe, bad vibe type thing? Maybe, or what they should be doing or not doing. No. Oh, that'd be weird. Right? That's what I was thinking. That'd that that be would be weird, weird right? But, but maybe if it's about your own conduct, yeah. then, then it's not weird. Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. Because that might, that might be a, even a, what people in a more intellectual perspective, you know, in a mm. more philosophical or moral psychology perspective would call, like, your conscience or, right. I don't know. But it's yeah. not only that. No, it's not. Because when, I, I guess when other people come into the picture, it's more like my relationship to them. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's how, so, like, yeah, it's usually my relationship to them. So I know that there's some people who, I'm just like, you, I like you, and I want to spend time with you. And, like, I will, I will, I will put a lot of energy and effort into them, um, Mm -hmm. um yeah so you want to tell me the example of that recently or no 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 I I have one where and I'm going to give her a shout out because she's a great uh teacher and her name's Jen Lunt and I walked into her classroom it must have been now maybe four years ago Mm -hmm. and I was teaching my urban education class and we walked into we were doing a tour of Portland High School or my students were all around Portland High School Mm -hmm in different classrooms, and I was sort of going around looking to find where my students were, and I saw people teaching, and I walk into this woman's classroom, and I said, everything you've got going on right now, I love. Yeah. I need to know you. Yeah. And she and I are great friends now, you know, and it's just, I just walked in, and I was like, yes. And I'm just, I'm feeling your vibe, I'm feeling your energy, and it's just... Yeah, I, I, I made a really good friend recently, mm. and um, when I first met him, it was, it was where he was sitting and how he was interacting with people. So he was sitting apart, um, there was like a table, and um, there was a bench behind the table, and he was sitting on the bench, really far from the table where everyone else was gathered, but he was still social, and like that caught my attention, mm. and I was just like, how are you, like you're still independent, but you're holding your own, so you're not antisocial. Like, you're engaging, but your body language is telling me you're just not trying to be a part of that. Hmm. Um, and that drew me in, and I was like, you know what? I want to know you. Um, and sometimes it's like the way someone walks. Like, it's, I don't know, it's, just, it's really, yeah. really weird. I wonder then if maybe the times, and I, this is just something to think about, mm-hmm. the times that you are following your intuition or listening to your intuition or heeding your intuition, whatever Mm -hmm. the right term is. Um, If those are times where the usual, the the sort of criteria for knowledge Mm -hmm. is not the same. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right? You know, so so maybe it wouldn't be cases where you say, oh, Doris, Yes, we're reading the souls of black folk right now, and I just feel that Du Bois was a white man. Yeah, it right? doesn't happen like right, that. Right, right. Like, and that would be weird because I'd say, okay, that's just not right. Yeah. And I don't. It doesn't matter how you right. feel yeah. about that. That's just not <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah. Right. So I think. So I'm curious. So let's go back to you, if you're willing to talk about it. Mm-hmm. 
what are you worried people are going to think about you if you are honest about following that gut sense, that intuition? Well, I know that on one hand, I'm scared that people are just going to judge me and they're going to think, I don't know what they're going to think. Wait, I was gonna say, like what, so wait, fill in the next part. Judge me and think that I am blank. What, yeah. What's the blank? I can't even say crazy because I know my friends know I'm crazy. <laughs> like my friends know I... Right. I'm just off. Right. Um, but I think what's what I've learned about religion and like religious, you know, like I don't want to say Westboro, not Westboro Baptist Church, but people doing things in the name of religion. Mm. Like I know my friends know I'm religious, or people know I'm religious, and I'm not shy about sharing that. But I'm not trying to have people thinking, you know, I'm like way off. Um, which is weird because I usually don't mind being radical, but I'm like I'm not trying to be that kind of radical. Um, so yeah, there's yeah. that, that on one hand, but then on the other hand, like for me, it's so personal, like that's just such a, mm. a deep, like part of me. And it's like, so once that part opens and once I'm sharing with you, like, Hey, this is how I feel about this. There's no going back. Um, mm. and so that's just like a whole nother side of me. And I know that people aren't comfortable with that. Um, and that's something if, if you're going to be cool with me. Um, like on a deep level, that's something you're gonna need to be comfortable with. Um, so I can't be uncomfortable with you being. We can't work. That 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 won't work. I also just see it as this. I when you were just talking about it, that if if you sort of open up that door, mm -hmm. then you're gonna be opening up so much more. And it's yeah. a choice of if you're willing to share that much, if you're willing to have that much intimacy. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Definitely the intimacy. Right with someone. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's super, that's really fascinating. I'm curious, um, how bass worked for you. And just so people who are listening, um, know what it is, um, bass is a program that students can choose to, um, enter and, um, it provides Sort of additional support um, for students making the transition um, into Bowdoin. Mm -hmm. um, and the advisors have fewer advisees, um, so can give more attention to uh, their individual um, advisees. But then there's also, they develop an identity as a cohort, right? Mm -hmm. Did you, like, you knew who were the other base advisees and you'd get together. I knew right? most of them. And then there'd be activities sometimes, yeah, too. Yeah. And, like, and, and especially activities that would help you understand the resources that are available mm -hmm. to support you mm -hmm. in school. Is that, uh, does that feel like an accurate yeah. representation yeah. of it? I was a base advisor maybe the second year or third year okay. that they had them. So that's why I was... I, I'm bringing it some knowledge, but I know it could have changed mm -hmm. in the time. So what was you doing bass like for you? And I know that probably seems like ancient history now, doesn't it? It does. I, like, don't even... I remember we had, like, pizza and chicken ones. Well, so um. that goes to show if you feed them, they'll come, and yeah. that's what they'll remember. Um, I don't remember, like, specific things we did. Mm -hmm. And knowing me, first year and sophomore year, I probably wasn't showing up to many of them. Um, but... The advisor I got for bass is dope. Like, she is such a boss. Who is it? So I, we, can we, I say her name? Yes, you can say names whenever you're praising someone. Okay, so her name is Sarah Dickey, Professor Dickey, 
and she is such a boss. Uh, oh, yeah. So I think that's that was my biggest takeaway from base because she held it down in every aspect, um, and she served it hot, cold, spicy, whichever way it was. She served it. Um, <laughs> And I appreciated that so much, but then she also knew the struggle of being a first-generation college student, and that's what caught me. And, like, I think that's one of the things that kept me here, knowing that there are professors who know my struggle. And also other base, prof other base professors who weren't my professors, like uh, Professor McEachern. Mm -hmm. um, I remember talking to him one time um, after class, and I, like, teared up, because he was, uh, he did, he did, um, he'd done a just like one of the base events and he just like shared um with some students you know his background or whatever and i was like you know the struggle and for me that's what that's all that matters like knowing that someone knows what it is and that i'm not in this alone and that i'm not losing it because sometimes you know sometimes i think i'm i'm losing it that I'm, I'm doing something wrong i'm not seeing the bigger picture um so yeah that's <laughs> that was that's me in base that's great um so what does the liberal arts education mean to you? The liberal arts education. Hmm. Or what does the liberal arts mean to you? You can take that wherever you want it to okay. go. So for me right now, um, <laughs> I'm trying to use it to help me um, like bridge certain gaps and straddle different worlds. Um, so I realize that and I don't realize. When I go home um, to New York, I'm a different person. When I am with my family, I am a different person. Um, not because it's not like, oh, I'm fake and I'm, you know. You're it's just, inauthentic. And you know, it's still me. But um, the way I speak at home is not the way I can speak at Bowdoin. Um, I can use the same slang terms and whatever. But the way I address certain people, I mean, even the Bowdoin hello, you know, like, it, it, it's just, it's just different, um, and... What is, I don't know if anyone has discussed the, the Bowdoin, Bowdoin hello. hello yet. So it's just this, uh, the Bowdoin thing you do where if you're passing somebody, you just acknowledge them, and it doesn't have to be an actual hello. Most people do, like, hey, how you doing? I'm good, how you doing? Um, and then, it, you know, you just pass by. Mm -hmm. Um, and some Does people it have do to be verbal? Nod. No, no, no. So, so sometimes you can do the head, head nod. You can yeah. do the head, the, 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 the classic... Upper so, head, yeah, yeah, yeah. Upper head, <laughs> yeah. Up, up nod. You can yeah. do the, you can do the smile, but the acknowledgement. Right, right, right. right. That you are just watching. Dad. Yeah, mm. um, and yeah. The whole acknowledgement thing. And so, like, yeah, in my neighborhood, you acknowledge people, but you know, the added smile, the you know, it was, it's, it's just a lot. It's a lot to be doing that. Um, and I feel like I'm trying to get somehow use what I'm learning here to help me bridge those different worlds um, and not only what I'm learning in class what I'm learning outside of class um, so I'm meeting people like me and I'm like you know what? how do you navigate this um, and how do you talk to your brothers and si like how, my brothers especially I'm like how do you are they older or younger younger um, I have an older brother too mm -hmm. but I'm like how do you talk to your younger brother about college and you know acknowledge that although he gets a degree, like, he still could be shot down. Like, that degree means something, but it doesn't mean anything. Like, how do you negotiate that? And how do you, you know, um, explain Bowdoin to your family, you know, when things are going on? Do you explain Bowdoin to your family? Because for me, at one point, I was honestly, like, ashamed to talk about certain things that were going on because my family loves Bowdoin, and they think the best of Bowdoin, and I, 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 and I was like, you know what, I can't, I can't bring this to them. 
Um, and so I used... Do you think that they would worry about you? Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely they worry about me. I remember somehow my, my uh, a family, a relative in Ghana got, like, in Ghana, <laughs> got, you know, wind of some things that were happening. And she was like, stay safe, like, don't go out, da-da-da-da. Um, she was like, in America, I just heard that black people are just being killed. Like, just don't. And I was like, whoo. Like calm, calm down, you know. I and mean, then didn't help that friends were posting on my Facebook about like uh, going to USM and, and protesting and stuff. And she's like, "Don't go, don't go, don't go." Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think that's what I'm trying to use, trying to use the liberal arts for. How do they help you do that? How do how do the liberal arts help you? <laughs> I think help you one make it those bridges. <laughs> it uh, one it helped me realize my privilege because I came here. And I was like, oh, man, like, I didn't go to a prep school and da-da-da-da-da, so I'm not privileged. And then I went to India, and I realized for that... Study, for study, study abroad? abroad? yes. And I realized that my life has been a privilege. Like, the fact that I know as many people as I do, the fact that I speak more than one language, like, the fact that my parents... Like, I was helping my mom with her math homework um, at one point because she went back to college. Like, I had that privilege of helping my mom with her. Like, that's so humbling. And so that, like, that made me rethink, like, my privilege. Um, and the liberal arts, you know, presented me with that opportunity. Um, and it's helping me realize my positionality. It's helping me realize um, the different kinds of English I speak, right? So when, when it comes to code switching, mm -hmm. right? Um, now I, I know I can put a, uh, I can, I can, I can um, <laughs> articulate things that I felt before coming to Bowdoin that I didn't know that I felt. And so I remember writing in my uh, mm. essay, I was like, you know, I went to school and I was called an African booty scratcher by the black kids, right? But I was supposed to hang out with the black kids. But then my parents were like, nah, oh, this was, way, this was before when they were like really, really scared because they were immigrants and they were like, you know, um, um, the black Americans like are bad, da 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 da, da because what, you know, because of, of what they were fed by the white supremacy. And so I was feeling these things and I didn't even know how to articulate them. And I come to Bowdoin. And I just learned these words, and I'm like, okay, and I learned these theories, and I learned these histories. And it's crazy, because I know my own history, right? I live my own history. But it, it's so cool to get, like, the textbook version, you know, to read about my people. Like, that's powerful. Um, and, yeah, yeah, so that's, that's mm. how the liberal arts arts is it's helping me. It's, it's helping me tell my story in different ways. I love that. And then it's giving you access to almost different vocabularies yeah. and different discourses. Yeah, and now I can pick and choose. Like, in the beginning, mm. I was so afraid to use slang in class, and now if I want to say calm slay, I will say calm slay. Um, and I, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> so when you slay something, it's like when you kill it. It's oh, when you slay. Do it. Oh, I yeah. just didn't understand what you were saying. Right. Okay. But like a calm slay... Oh, yeah, what's calm slay? It's just when you slay, and you just do it in a way that is so authentic and just so you, and it's, and it's just like you... It's like aggressively slipped in there. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, oh, I like so, that. Okay. Yeah. Am I like, allowed to say that? Yeah. I mean, it's just slang. Like, like, slang it's just slang. slang but, but you got to use it right. Like, don't. Okay. Yeah. And I'm sure, like, Urban Dictionary has a better... Yes. Like um, definition of conflict. <laughs> you, but. I'm like, do you have to be under 25 in order to use that? Term? No, you just have to be down. Okay. So if you like, if you're not down, like people okay. will laugh at you. You know, you right. will end up on right. your gag. Just right. know. Right. Okay. <laughs> um. What. 
what were your? Oh, I don't want to ask that question actually. Okay. Um, I chose. I changed my mind. Sorry. Okay. Um, what do you wish your professors knew about you? Mm, what do I wish my professors knew? Man, that's a good one. Sometimes I wish I knew more about them. Honestly. What do you want to know? Just about y'all lives. I think that's what gets to me. Like, when I realize that y'all are real people. Um, I mean, I know y'all are real people because you're like, oh, I need a babysitter for my kids this weekend. Da, 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 da. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I really hope, like, one of those people who hate Bowdoin doesn't pick this up and be like, Bowdoin professors only use their students as babysitters. Right, well, right. Um, to take one thing so right? it says completely <laughs> deconfessed. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think that there was already a, an, wasn't there an Orient um, story about um, professors using students as babysitters? Really? But I think it was a sweet story. Okay, you know, I think it wasn't a, it wasn't an expose, okay. like, sort of uncompensated labor or right. something like that, or, or intimidation right. to take care of my toddler. <laughs> um, it was, I think it was sort of a sweet story mm-hmm. about how much... Just about nice relationships between huh. faculty and and students and then their children too. Yeah, because it's real, man. It's so real. Um, oh, you, but the reason why I want to yeah. know about uh, about professors, it's just you know, like y'all are just involved in such dope things, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, where did that come from? Like, this is one professor. He's all about Haiti. Like, this guy will connect any and everything to Haiti. Um, and it's beautiful. But I'm like, how did you, like, you're, you're Canadian and, and it's just, how Haiti? How? And it's just so dope to figure out how people, you know, got to where they got. And I love processes. I love stories. Um... And so I love hearing about how you got where you got. Because in the classroom, I know, I feel like people don't share enough, don't really share anecdotes like that. And professors, mm-hmm. you know, y'all professors, y'all got PhDs. Y'all can't just be throwing yourselves out there like that. I get it. Um, and so I wish I knew more about professors. And what I wish professors knew about me, that, definitely. Like, I love connecting mm-hmm. with you. And I want to know you as a person. Um, and also the intuition thing. Um, like, mm. Because I respect you, um, and so it's like, just just keep in, keep in mind that that's like a part of me. And because I respect you, I want you to know that. Um, and of course, it's not for the classroom, it's for outside the classroom when, you know, I'm just getting right. to know you. Right. Are you a member of any organizations where you could organize some professors to tell their story? Oh. I think that that's a great idea. I know that, I mean, definitely with base when they had Professor McEachern come in. Yes. Um, but, and I know, like, professors participate in, like, polar bear tales and stuff like that. Right. But, but, I, want, but I wonder if you, you know, let, let's say if student affairs or something put on um, here, like, every, once a month you get to hear four professors explain to you how they got where they got. Right. And, why they study what they study. Right. And, like, just their lives. Like, yeah. where'd you grow up? Like, yes. are you a middle child? Like, yes. that matters. I think, or you know what, that would be a really cool thing that Bowdoin Student Government did as outreach to sort of bridge mm-hmm. a professor-student gap. Right. Right, or something. Right. You know, like, maybe the college houses, because they have professors coming through a yes. lot. Yes. 
But I think that that would be a really cool idea. I think the other reason, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I would appreciate this. I'm not a first-gen student, but I wouldn't say that it's necessarily that my my family talked a lot about what college was like. My mm -hmm. father went to college and went and to dental school too, so he's mm -hmm. highly educated. Mm -hmm. um, and my mother went to a two-year college, but I just don't feel like it was a, a household where there was a lot of talk about mm -hmm. what college is mm -hmm. like or what it's like to be an academic. And so it's helpful to have not necessarily models in the sense of you want to be exactly like that person, mm -hmm. But to hear about how does someone live this kind of life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and if your parents aren't living that kind of life, or if their friends aren't mm -hmm. right, and and on top of that, my parents' friends weren't at least that I interacted with weren't living a life of the mind. Mm -hmm. um, what does it mean to do that? <laughs> and so, how do you know what that would be like, and how do you know you may or may not want mm -hmm. to do that? Right. Hmm. I like it. Let's pursue that. Okay. Okay. Um, so what are you doing here this summer? Uh, I'm working in admissions as a senior interviewer. Yeah. And so what does that mean? What do you do? That means I interview pr prospective students. Um, I also participate in um, general info sessions. Mm. And uh, sometimes we pick up tours, like if there are too many tours. Yeah. Um, well, do a lot of people come in the summer? Yes. It's picking up now because oh. like, most people are out of school. And so it's definitely, it's getting wild. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is going to be the end of our conversation, okay. but I want to invite you to do something if you would like to. Okay. Are you at all interested in reciting any of your poetry? Do I even have anything right now? Um, oh, wait, is it, oh, it's still running. Yeah, let me see if I have anything. So I'm, while Esther's looking... I will say that I heard Esther recite some of her poetry at a what was that what was what were those things called they were student creation open mic no it was a it was at the library and I can't remember what they were called oh food for thought food for thought and so yes. they were it it was organized I don't know by whom uh, BSG. BSG. So I think, yeah, BSG could be the place to do the teacher, the professor, you know, stories. Um, but BSG did this food for thought where students taught each other something, and mm -hmm. it didn't have to be academic mm -hmm. at all, or you could just do something. Is that is this correct? Yeah. That, and so I heard Esther recite a fabulous poem. Should I just um, do that one? You can do that one. Okay. And um, I had her um, come into my class educating all students, and um, recite that poem to my class, yeah. which was great, because um, it brings up so many things about how do we educate all students, whether the, that's students at the middle school level or students at the level of Bowdoin, or whether how we treat other people and educate them in general. Is it the talking about talking or about yes. the one about my brother? Talking about talking. Okay. Yes. All right. I feel like anyone who's at Bowdoin is like, oh my gosh, I heard this already. Shut up. All right. We talk a lot about talking here. 
Have a problem? Talk it out. Bad day? Talk about it. So I'm going to talk. No disclaimers, no apologies. Outside of the undiscussed or addressed. Outside of the classroom. No theories. Not just black girls over black brunch offering solutions and ideas and could-bes. Just raw thought and feeling and emotion. Me being vulnerable and whatnot, but not seeking a pity party. Now, I won't judge you. I won't beg you not to judge me or make assumptions. Because let's face it, you'll probably do so regardless. And that's fine. Because at one point or another, maybe I've done the same to you. So let's get real. Let's talk. Let's talk about how I thought I was coming into higher education, a more sophisticated and diverse place. See, I come from a, a place where I could ask almost anyone whether or not they believed in God. Where they were from, hood, island, country, it didn't matter, without them worrying whether or not I was judging them. And I asked because I was curious, and it was fine. I mean, ask because I noticed you say the tin instead of the thing, and I want to know where you picked up the West African accent. I may ask because a lot of my friends are Dominican, and so when I hear that accent, I just want to know where you picked it up from. I just can't help but ask. Oh, I just can't help but ask. Let's talk about how some people throw around the word liberal. Let's talk about how some people are liberal until you disagree with them. Let's talk about religion. I guess maybe I thought too highly of college, but the thing is, they sold it to me. This college thing, they sold it to me, man. Made it seem like college was the answer to everything. Money problems, non-magnet New York City public high school without community funding, my brother getting disowned, and I should have known it was too good to be true. But when you're in a school where fights are common, a school that seems more like a jail because there are metal cagings over the windows, with school security guards that wear the same uniforms as cops and drive in the same vehicles as cops, a place like college seems dope. And if they tell you that if you work hard, you can make it, like Condoleezza Rice or Obama or Colin Powell, well, shoot, then you work your butt off because hard work pays off in America, right? My father is a housekeeper. He works his butt off. Maybe, just maybe, if he works hard enough, he can make it. He can live the dream if he works hard enough. And if he doesn't, well, damn it, lazy black folk, right? He just got his papers. He's a citizen, and he has rights just like everyone else. And rights equals opportunity, right? Back to classes. Pass all your exams, pass all your classes. Let's talk about passing. Now, I've usually passed in my life. Exams, quizzes, classes, sometimes drinks. I've passed friends, ex I've passed stores, ex-friends, mailboxes, and houses. I've passed through towns, and maybe that's why I didn't think twice as I passed for college. And I know some black folk will get upset when I say this, but that's exactly what it is. Passing. You wrote your essay in a certain type of English. Passing. I got here for programs for black people. Passing. I can't help but feel like I'm passing like the black ballerina who thought who was really light-skinned, so she passed by acting like she was white so she could dance. Like John in the house behind the setters who passed so he could live the good life. Now, I'm not saying I fold admissions, but I am saying I changed in order to make it. And it was always the little things. Drop the accents. Little things you wouldn't notice. Drop the accents. Things no one would notice were missing. I said drop, 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 drop the accents. Things no one would notice were missing except me. Let's talk about my hood. I love my hood. I rep my hood. I throw up the X and straight flex for my hood. But y'all killing me. Y'all really are. 
Like Brother Carlos said, you got that Peter Pan complex and don't want to grow up. Calling ourselves Lil Twist, Lil Mama, Lil RJ, Young Jock, Young Boogie, Young Money. He called it. Yeah, he did. History got us all types of messed up. They fed us in plows, so now we think trouts, so now we think we're animals. Calling women bitches. Hey, yo, dog is a common greeting. And when we're about to fight, well, it's that cat over there we're coming at. Little Car Brother Carlos called it. Now, trust me, I ain't knocking my hood. Embrace your identity. I just find it funny how we refer to each other in these ways. As I said, I love my hood. I rep my hood. I throw up the extra straight flex for my hood. Let's talk about why I use the word niggas. Let's talk about code switching and how I changed the way I spoke right when I started talking about my hood. Let's talk about how I used to change the way I spoke because I feared that if I spoke in Ebonics, I would be judged. Let's talk about how I can write an essay in Ebonics and still have to be grammatically correct. Let's talk about how I change the way I speak when I get home because I don't want them to make fun of me for sounding white. Speaking standard English is considered white. Standard English is considered more intelligent than Ebonics, hence why I used to speak standard English in class and why I currently write my essays in standard English. Intelligence is considered white. I think about race so much at Bowdoin. Let's talk about how black people can't be racists, but we can be prejudiced. We don't have the power to be racist. But let's talk about the prejudices some of us have. Let's talk about the light skin is the right skin nonsense. Let's talk about privilege. Let's talk about how I privilege as an English speaker. Because some of the college prep programs out there for minorities need someone who can articulate their story in a particular way. Let's talk about how, how I thought I was privileged to be a part of these programs until I realized that the kids standing on the stage, the kids standing on the stage during these fundraisers were the, always the ones with the saddest stories. Yes, I am eternally grateful for the free SAT prep and the college tours they took us on, but it feels weird. It feels so weird to have your reality sold in order to make it. Let's talk about the guilt that comes with privilege. White privilege, educational privilege. Let's talk about how sad I was the day I realized how easily I could have fallen through the cracks. Let's talk about how for some graduating high school was a milestone. Let's talk about how during senior year I didn't ask, what college are you going to? I asked, are you going to college? We carry the pride and shame of our ancestors on our skin and in our wallets, and they tell me it doesn't matter that I'm here now, that my circumstances don't define me, but they do, they matter. The fact that my pops didn't go to college matters. The fact that I had the privilege of teaching my mother algebra matters. You didn't ask your parents to go to college. You didn't ask your mom to become a drug addict. You didn't ask to be born into a wealthy family. He didn't ask to be put into foster care. She did not ask to not have food on the table. Heck, none of us asked for the cards that life has dealt us. We didn't even ask to be born. And although I see the unfairness, there's absolutely nothing we can do about it because these are our realities <laughs> we read about each other in ethnographies discuss real human lives and concepts and watch hollywood portray our realities in romanticized ways but these are our realities and just like we hopefully respect all lifestyles and sexualities and re religions and what have you we accept realities that as gently as one can accept accidentally submerging an open cut in salt water we accept realities and when we trip over the contradictions of our lives fall and bruise our egos we accept realities and between the theories we discuss and the realities we fight to live lies a really awkward place like the backside of your elbow awkward now let's talk about race
They say it's socially constructed, but the thing with the imagined communities is that once we act like they are real, despite their non-existence, the effects become real. I come in peace. With confusion, I offer these pieces of me, and I hope you can help me understand. See, I used to not identify as black. My mother told me I was not black. She told me I was Ghanaian. I am not African. I cannot represent all those countries at once. I am one person. I am not black in Ghana, but I am black in America. When people look at me, that's what they see, and I've benefited from the scholarships and the awards and the programs, but my mother raised me to think that I am not black and I'm in no way shunning my identity. I'm just bringing forth the confusion that comes with being raised by immigrant parents who warn you not to be like those crazy black people out there. The confusion with going to school and being lumped with the black kids, but having them call you an African booty scratcher. Now let's talk about prayer. About how when I pray, I cry and I scream and I shout. How I didn't, how I didn't know religion had a negative connotation until I came to Bowdoin. How it was here that I found out that not all, not all religious people are spiritual. Let's talk about how I'm Christian and how I feel like sometimes I have to beg not to be put in a box or judged. Let's talk about how I, I don't have all the answers and how I never claim to. Just because some Christians claim to does not mean I am them. Let's talk about why I believe and why you don't. Now, I ain't knocking the silence because sometimes silence is good. Like right after you watch a really good movie with a really good friend and y'all are just sitting there soaking up the dopeness y'all just watched. Now that silence, that silence is good. But the silence that accompanies our conversation when we talk about everything, that silence ain't too hot. Thanks. When did you write that? I wrote that, um... Whew, was that my sophomore year? Yeah. yeah. Is there anything you'd change? I mean, so as a poem, Yeah. I don't think you'd want to change a thing. Mm. Maybe. I, I, I just think it's so fabulous. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and it sounded so new and relevant <laughs> to me today. I'm curious because you said that you feel like you've changed in your orientation to how you feel about this place mm -hmm. in that period of time, mm -hmm. or if that, I don't know if that was a pivoting moment where you were turning and re-envisioning, oh wait, this is what I prayed for. Mm. You know, is, is this a moment where you, when you wrote this and started performing this, is this a moment where you started realizing okay, this is how I'm going to interpret my experience? Or are you in a different place today entirely? So when I wrote this, this was a vent. Um, I was just venting. Like, I was going through it. Um, so I just started to write, and, it, and like, this came out. Um, now, I, I get asked a very similar question with, with uh, interviews and tours. Mm. And I always say, not always, but I, I let people know that Bowdoin's a very different place than when I came here. Um, and it's changing in, in a crazy way, in a dope way. And I, I call it uh, historical puberty because um, it's wild. It is wild. Um, and it, it reminds me of, of those really awkward times. Mm -hmm. And um, some things... Are, are, are a lot of these things still hold true, like about my life and about the college prep programs and about Bowdoin. Like the silences, sometimes I'm like, yo, come on, you have nothing to lose. Like, just, just, just speak. Um, 
but I do see the beginnings of a shift. And that's actually what kept me, one of the things that kept me here, like seeing that shift and seeing that movement. And it's so powerful to see an institution. Like, I mean, Bowdoin is a baller. Like, we're balling money-wise. And we have history and legacy and dope people that come out of here. Bowdoin doesn't need to shift for anything or anyone. But the students called and Bowdoin responded. And, and, and we're having a conversation, you know? And it's a, it's a really awkward conversation. It's a hard conversation. It's, it's annoying sometimes. But it's a conversation that's happening. And so, yeah, I still feel the way I feel in this poem. Um, but I do acknowledge that, you know, there's more, there's more talking. There's more real talk going on. Well, I'm really glad that you are here participating in the conversation at Bowdoin in general and in this conversation right now. Thank, so, you. thank you.